Many of you know that we're in the middle of a series in the Gospel of Luke, uh, but you notice there's a different title on the screen today. What's up with that? That's change. That's change, isn't it? What, what could be up? Uh, well, already you saw, because of a change, I was about to go over to my usual spot over here uh, as I was doing the announcement. Uh, but we are. As, a, as it was said in the 60s, the times, they are changing, and they are still changing, and will ever be changing. Uh, and so uh, this is an opportunity. We're in a season of change. And uh, just recently, uh, our session, which in, is me, and our elders, ruling elders, I'm the teaching elder, we made a decision to start including uh, one of our ruling elders uh, who does a lot of teaching and preaching for us already, uh, but we're going to give him more. And uh, Rick is going to be bringing the message today, and not only today, uh, but first Sunday's for the foreseeable future. So we're really excited about this. And so I'm going to go ahead and get out of the way and say, Rick, come on up here and tell us about this. And uh, we look forward to you bringing and preaching God's word to us, brother. You got yours? Yeah, I got mine. <clears throat> Thank you. All right. Well, good morning. Um, let me, I'm going to read this too, because I'm usually like to add it, but I'm going to read it. So folks, the session working with Pastor Joe have agreed to follow some best practices in pastoral transition. And one of those practices is to slowly reduce the amount of pulpit time by the departing pastor to get you and us, the congregation, ready for a new pastor, which is going to be about a year from now. And so the less you see Joe in the pulpit over the months ahead should help make it a little easier to transition to someone new. Now, we are very fortunate to not have a sudden departure of Joe, which sometimes happens in churches, and then you're scrambling how to fill that. We've been planning this now for over a couple years. So like Joe says, you will be seeing me in the pulpit a little more. I normally fill in when he's uh, gone on vacation or study leave, but I will also we will start doing the first Sundays of the month and swapping out roles. So please, please pray for us as we we're trying to transition this church to the, the new pastor a year from now, and we, we could always use your prayers. So, All right, well, let's, let's get on with the sermon. My sermon title today is Change in the One Constant. Change in the One Constant. And my text is going to come from Hebrews chapter 13, verses 7 and 8. And I'll be reading from the ESV. Hear the word of the Lord. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Amen. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you now for this time where we gather together to hear from your word. And I pray this morning that they will hear from you by your Holy Spirit, that you will take the words that you have given me to speak to this congregation, and they will hear it for what it is, the word of God. And I pray, Lord, it will open up our eyes more to who Jesus is and help us, Lord, in our daily walk. 
And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you know, change is inevitable if you live more than one day of life. Something is going to happen or come into your life that's going to change things, shake things up. And, you know, some people do better with change than others. Some like to avoid it and others enjoy it. But it can be difficult when change is imposed on us. Personally, uh, when I was younger, I liked change. And I suppose there are people in the congregation that are like me. I loved being in the military. I would move every three to four years to a new location and get a new job, new experiences, new people. I think I moved 11 times until I got my final retirement spot here in Niceville over my 27 years. And I enjoyed also when I moved being a part of 11 different churches in five different denominations, if you can believe that. When we retired here 13 years ago, we put our roots down here, bought a house, and decided this is where we're going to raise our kids. When we got here, my daughter Madison was in third grade, Jackson was in K-5, and Reagan is K-4, now Madison is senior in college, Jackson's a freshman, and Reagan will finish up her senior year in high school. Where has the time gone? Quickly. I'll have to admit, though, it took me a few years to get used to uh, this new stable lifestyle of not moving. I told my wife, if she'll recall, even after about living here three years, I said, well, let's just sell our house and buy another one in another neighborhood because I want to move. I want something different. Well, I'll have to admit that is out of my system now. In fact, I'm finding myself become more and more comfortable with the day-to-day mundaneness of life. And I am more averse to change today than I was then. I guess you could say my attitude about change is changing. It was the philosopher Heraclitus that said, there is nothing permanent except change. Well, he was wrong. And we're going to find that out today. And you know, there are three categories, different categories of change, some big, some small. In family life, you know, there's birth, there's marriage, there's going off to school, uh, moving to a new city. There can be health challenges that change your life dramatically. I know about that. I don't like the change that's happening to my body, to be honest with you. Every day I look in the mirror, I'm getting a little grayer, a little thinner, And I just finally recognized and had to admit to myself that I cannot wear shorts anymore when I do yard work. (laughs) Because if I get a stick that scratches my leg, I get a scab and it stays there for a long, long time. It's probably good I'm not wearing shorts anyways out there. Most of us recognize that both good and bad changes in our lives will bring added stress. And we will have to adjust course. The question is, how do we respond to these changes that are out of our control? Where do we anchor ourselves when we are faced with big changes? In the life of a church, there is no bigger change than the change of a senior pastor. 
You know, for those of us who are in the military or were in the military, know that when a new commander comes in, it's a pretty big deal and things change. I know that because I was a commander and I changed things up. But I also worked for many commanders that changed things up. And you have to adapt and you have to adjust. Well, it's no different in the church. In fact, the church is greater, I would say, because the new pastor that we'll be getting, we're dealing with eternal matters. We're dealing with the lives of people in the church. It's a much greater calling. We are getting ready for a big change when Joe retires and we call a new pastor to take his place. This practice is a normal practice. It's done often, but it doesn't become real until it affects you and you're feeling it here like we are now, especially a pastor that has served over 18 years. Do you know the average minister in the U.S. serves as a senior pastor for only 7.7 years? So Joe, Joe's been here a long time. Most of us, I would say, in here started coming to church after Joe got here. Now, there are a few of you old-timers in here will be here before Joe, but I would say it's only about maybe a quarter of the church. So how do we deal with this change? Can't ignore it. Can't pretend it's not there. We should be concerned about it. Prepare for it. But we don't need to be worried about it. Why? Well, I would say because the answer is in our text today. Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever. He is the one constant through life, and through the change of a church. He is the one constant for any change that we go through in life, but especially when it comes to his church, his house, his people, his bride, his family, or Peter calls us a chosen race, a holy priesthood, a royal nation, a people for his own possession. So we need something solid that we can put our faith in when going through change, both good and bad. Something that's unshakable. Jesus Christ is who we put that in. Now today's passage comes from the book of Hebrews. And many of you went through the Hebrews class uh, in Sunday school with me a few months ago. And you may recall that the author of Hebrews was writing to a group of believing Jews who were thinking about going back to their old faith. Of Judaism. Why? Well, because this newfound Christian faith was different. It was a big change from their Old Testament religion that they were used to. They did not like the change in worship. They missed going to synagogue and temple and participating in worship that was familiar with them. And you can't blame them. If you were brought up in a tradition your whole life and told to change to something different, something unfamiliar... And put yourself out there like they had to, to risk also friendships with fellow Jews, neighbors, synagogue goers, business owners. It would be tough. So in verse 8, the writer encourages them to remember their leaders. Those who spoke the word of God to them and follow their example. There is implied even in that that there is change in leadership going on to these Hebrew Christians. Because back in chapter 2, he mentions those who first preached the gospel to them. 
the apostles and those who had heard Jesus preach. They were now under new leadership, and an author would tell them in chapter 13 to obey and submit to their new leaders. He was reminding them that the Jesus they are serving today is the same Jesus that saved them before, and he is the same Jesus and always will be. It was them that had changed, not Jesus. The whole point of this beautiful sermon, what we call the letter of Hebrews, was to bolster their faith and point them to something better than their old covenant, their old way of life. And that something better was Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Listen to how the writer of Hebrews starts his book, chapter 1. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God in the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. There's probably outside of, you know, Genesis 1 and John 1, intro to a book is as great as that particular intro there in Hebrews, describing the Son of God, describing Jesus Christ, the same Jesus that he's going to say later, he's the same yesterday and today and tomorrow. This morning, what I would like to do, I want to focus on Jesus. You're going to get a little what we call Christology, okay? You know, Bob, for those of you who were in Sunday school, he tried, he tried to make it. He was unsuccessful to get through the whole book of Galatians in 45 minutes. You just can't do it, okay? Well, in the next 20 minutes, I'm going to try to get you through a large chunk of the book of Hebrews. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to take descriptors of our Lord Jesus Christ that the writer provides that are so rich and we need to, I want us to dwell upon these, especially as we think going forward uh, in the life, not only personal life, but in the life of the church. Seven. So if you're taking notes, my kids, I t- they take notes. They, if I can make it very specific, you should be able to write these down. All right, seven of them. By the way, there were more than seven, but I, seven's a good number. You know, it's one of those perfect numbers in the Bible. Number one, he, talking about Jesus, is the founder of our salvation, or the author of our salvation is another way to say it. Uh, you familiar with, with uh, Hebrews chapter 12? Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Not only is he the founder of our faith, the author of our faith, he is the perfecter of our faith and the one that will complete our faith, as Paul says in Philippians, where it says, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion the day of Christ. He is the one who initiates our faith and he is the one who completes our faith. And he did it back in the past. He does it still today, and he will do it tomorrow. He will continue to seek and save the lost through his church and through the preaching of the word of God. 
And he will do it through this church, through the preaching that comes from here. The changing of pastors or leaders will not stop him bringing people into the kingdom. Adopting it in. We heard it today in Galatians. It says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive as adoption as sons. So he has been adopting in the adopting business in the past. He does it today, and he will do it tomorrow as well. Jesus is the founder and perfecter of our salvation, yesterday and today and forever. Number two, he is the builder of his church. We see that in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 4. Okay, he is the builder of our church. It says, therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a holy calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who is faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. The implication here is that Jesus is the builder of the house, and he's also divine, right? We all know the verse from Psalm, we love it. Unless the Lord builds a house, what? They labor in vain who build it. He is the builder. It is Jesus who gave us Yesterday, the apostles and the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up of the body of Christ from Ephesians. And it is Jesus who will continue this until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature manhood. He gave those gifts yesterday, he gives them today, and he will give them tomorrow. And I don't know about you, but I don't think we have attained the unity of faith yet or a mature manhood, as Paul's talking about. We have work to do, and he will continue to do that as the builder of the house. So we can trust that God continue to work through his people to build his house here in Niceville and around the world. We must remember it's his house, not our house. We just make up the house. We are the living stones as being built up into a spiritual house, as Peter says. All right, number two. That was number two. Number three, not only is he builder of the house, he is faithful over his house. Faithful over his house. We see that in chapter 3, verse 6 of Hebrews. Now listen to this. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later, but Christ is faithful over God's house as his son. He is not only the builder of the house, he is faithful over his house. And we are his house. If indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting and our hope, it says in Hebrews 3, 5, and 6. Folks, he is faithful to us when we are faithless. How many times... Have you been faithless? I've been faithless to the Lord, but he is faithful. Oh, just one of my favorite verses, probably on some of your refrigerators. The steadfast love of the Lord, what? Never ceases. 
His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Folks, he has been faithful to FPC through the many years with the different leadership. He was faithful in the past. He is faithful now, and he will be faithful in the future, bringing the right pastor shepherd here to our flock to continue the work of building his church. Leaders come and go, but our Lord stands forever. And we can put our hope and faith in that. God will build and maintain his church. We remember the great declaration to Peter. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Yes, we will be responsible for choosing our pastor, but ultimately it comes down to the Lord's sovereignty. We can trust him in his faithfulness to us. One of my favorite verses that touches on God's sovereignty and man's responsibility is Proverbs 16, 9. The mind of man plans his ways, but the Lord establishes his steps. I cannot fully explain these two doctrines of human responsibility and God's sovereignty, but they're there all throughout the scripture. The best description to explain it I found was from the great Baptist minister Charles Spurgeon. Listen to what he says about these two doctrines of human responsibility and God's sovereignty. He says, these two truths I do not believe can ever be welded into one upon any human anvil, but one they shall be in eternity. They are two lines that are so nearly parallel that the mind that shall pursue them farthest will never discover that they converge. But they do converge, and they will meet somewhere in eternity close to the throne of God where all truth does come from. Folks, our Savior was faithful to his church yesterday. He will be faithful to it today and forever. Number four, he is our high priest seated at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Some of the most beautiful verses in the Bible, chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Are you in need today? Are you feeling weak? Are you struggling in your faith? Are you worried about the future? Know that Jesus sympathizes with your weaknesses. And we can go to him as our high priest. The same yesterday and today and forever. Who will give us mercy in time of need. I know some of you are going through really difficult times today. But I would challenge you and encourage you to look back on the mercy and grace of Jesus yesterday. And how he got you today. And realize that he will get you through today. And it will be there tomorrow as well. Number five. Jesus is our helper. He's our helper. You see that in Hebrews 13.6. 
The writer in Hebrews 13, 6 is quoting from the psalm, Psalm 118, 6 and 7, a beautiful verse. The Lord is on my side, I will not fear. The Lord is on my side as my helper. What can man do to me? Do you ever need help? I think we all need help one time or another. We are going to need help as a church as we transition to new leadership. There are things we can do to help each other, but I think we're going to need God's help. And why? Because it's his house, and the Lord builds his house. And if we try to build the house without him, it will fail. But he is on our side. We can trust in him. How many times has he helped you in your past? How many times has he got you out of a tight spot? How many of you have had near-death experiences and you saw snatched back? I think we can all say, God, he is our helper. Number six, it's a, a beautiful picture. He is the great shepherd of his sheep. He is the great shepherd of his sheep. That's in chapter 13 also, 1320, where it says, Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, By the blood of the eternal covenant. Isn't it comforting to know that we have Jesus, our great shepherd, to help us traverse these waters of change? You know, despite the onslaught of the devil and the cataclysmic changes we see now and have we've seen throughout the centuries, Jesus continues to build his church and guide his sheep. He makes us to lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside the still waters, even in the midst of tumultuous change. He does it for us on a personal level, but he also does it for his body, his church, who he loves so much. Peter calls Jesus also the shepherd and overseer of our souls. We continue to stray as sheep. We get away from the fold. We're prone to wonder, right? Our hearts, we tend to get away. I'm reminded of that beautiful hymn, Count Thou Fount of Blessings, where it says, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Take my heart, oh, take and seal it with thy spirit from above. Rescue us from sin and danger, purchased by the Savior's blood. May I walk on earth a stranger as a son and heir of God. He is the great shepherd of his sheep, which leads me into really the, the last one, which you all know this beautiful promise. Again, it comes from Hebrews, but it, it really came from uh, the book of Deuteronomy, and it's given to a man who's getting ready to take over the biggest change of his life, and that would be Joshua. When Joshua was going to take the reins of command from Moses and be responsible for leading the people of Israel into the promised land. And in Deuteronomy 31.8, which is recorded in Hebrews 13, it says this. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not be fear or be dismayed. He will never leave us or forsake us. 
We may go through difficult times. We may try to stray, but he will never leave us or forsake us. What a responsibility Joshua had to take care of God's people leading them into the promised land. And that promise that he gave Joshua yesterday is here for us today. And it will be there for us tomorrow until the day he returns, till the final day. My friends, change is inevitable, but the one constant remains our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And what a Savior we serve. He doesn't change even though the world changes all around him. And I ask you this morning, do you know him? Do you need him? FPC, as we go through the change in the months and years ahead, we can anchor our hope in our Lord and Savior, who is the same yesterday and today and forever. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the many blessed promises we see in your word. And Lord, we know that you are our helper. You are our shepherd. You are the one that leads us and guides us. And you are the builder of this church, Lord. And I pray, O oh Lord, that you would uh, continue to make that real to our hearts and our lives, that we would put our faith, our trust, our confidence in you and in your work. We pray for wisdom in the days and months ahead as we make this transition. We pray for faith. We pray for st strength. We pray for peace and unity. But I pray this morning, Lord, if there's anyone here that does not know you as the shepherd of their soul, that you would make that real to them this morning, that you would change their hearts and cause them, Lord, to be born again to a living hope. And Lord, for those that are struggling this morning that really need a high priest, I pray that you would comfort them, Lord, in their time of need, strengthen them, give them that resolve that only you can give. We thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.